you again. Can't tell you how much we love the repeat visits to our little shop. Something very unique came in the other day that has been disrupting my sleep in the worst way. What do you make of this? An envelope full of... ephemera of some sort. Appears to be old newspaper clippings from a deeply disturbing missing persons case. Where an entire family just... disappeared. Tattered Polaroids of each one of them in here, too. Ah! This is from the Driscoll case. Heard of it? Be glad you haven't. If you think you have the stomach, however, take a seat at the table here while I tell you all about the Pancake family. Welcome to the Antiquarium of Sinister Happenings and Odd Goings On. I bet I look like a ghost. What? No, not a scratch. I'm, uh, I'm sorry to ramble. It's just that I'm... What's the word for it? Detached. Strange feeling. Seen it enough times in the field. Sort of figured if... I was ever going to experience it myself, then I would have experienced it by now. It's a hell of a thing. I feel like I'm floating outside my body. Just cut the cord and I'd float away. Did you see the crime scene? Don't. Don't look at the pictures. Don't even touch the file. You'll thank me. I can't get my knees to stop rattling. Now, while you're holding onto the coffee like that, I'm shaking the table, aren't I? Hold on a second. <clears throat> Let me back up the chair. All right, that's better. We gotta go official now, Hob. Can you confirm for the record that you're waiving your right to an attorney? No. I'm still not interested in an attorney. I, I mean, yes, I'm waiving my rights. Sorry. Are you sure? Yes. Let the record show that Detective Hobson Milgate, retired, has waived his right to an attorney. I won't need a lawyer after the DA stops puking and considers taking it public. They're not showing that to a jury. Are you ready to begin? No. But I'll talk anyway. What led you to the crime scene on the night in question? Would you believe I was planning a fishing trip before this started? Never mind. Hold on, I'm thinking. Hard to organize it. Never been on this side of the interrogation table before. I guess it started with the reporter. Name of Bamer. She 
contacted me a week ago by email and claimed she had new information on the Driscoll murders. I was the lead investigator. The case had gone unsolved for 20 years. Cold as ice. Frankly, I thought it was bullshit at first. You know how that can be. Most of the time, it's not even on purpose. Everyone thinks they know something that will crack the case wide open. Theories are easy when you don't have to check them against evidence. The Driscoll murders were a big story around these parts. Lots of interest, lots of press. Over the years, I must have gotten a couple hundred shit theories. When I retired, I handed the investigation over to Detective Carroll. But I didn't want him to be bothered. I know he's busy with recent gang activity. I figured I'd check it out as a courtesy. I wasn't expecting it to go anywhere. I met her for lunch at Per Year's Cafe. Good-looking blonde gal, professional. She didn't fit the typical profile of a hoax or a conspiracy theorist. Not that I put too much faith in profiles. She also might have been one of those creepy gals that gets off on death. God knows I've dealt with those too. I still thought she might be pulling my leg or maybe she had been fooled too. But she had a file with her. Looked legit. It contained what appeared to be a confession by the Driscoll. Well, he wasn't a murderer, was he? I really do wish he had been, you know. It'd have been so much better for everyone. Uh, can you please fill us in on the relevant details of the Driscoll case? I see. Uh, would have been 20 years ago now. Thinking of all those years, I mean, 20 goddamn years. That's a long time to be... Take your time, Hub. Thanks. The Driscolls were a family of six out in the suburbs. Upper middle class. Father was an attorney. Mother ran her own business selling pottery out of her house. Four children, all high school age and below. Good kids. Honor roll, no criminal records to speak of. The oldest son was caught smoking dope at his high school once, but... Nothing much besides that. Just the typical stuff you find when you look at people too closely. They disappeared October 13, 1994. No trace was found of bodies. The mystery in seeing how it was right around Halloween is probably why the press went so crazy. You still see it show up on some of those unsolved mystery shows. A whole family disappeared and no one saw a thing. No one knew where they went. A neighbor logged a sound complaint, which is how we got involved. There was an alarm going off and they figured it might be an intruder or something. We dispatched the vehicle. When no one answered the door, patrolmen went in to investigate. There were obvious signs of a struggle in the youngest daughter's bedroom. The bed had been flipped over and the sheets were torn. The alarm was a carbon monoxide detector. We found elevated concentrations of carbon monoxide in all the fabric of the bedspreads except for the youngest daughters. 
we wouldn't have known to look without the alarm. The neighbor indicated the alarm had been sounding for over a day, and he'd been unable to get anyone to answer the door during that time. We also found several aluminum canisters and some hoses in a dumpster a few blocks away. At the time, we assumed the Driscolls had been gassed and disposed of at a different location, except, of course, the daughter who woke up at the end and put up the struggle. The investigation gave no leads. Of course, our first thought was that the father did it. We checked it out, but he didn't have a motive. No leads to follow up on. Same with the mother. Surviving family checked out clean, too. The father had a few clients who might have had motive, but the means weren't there. He was a divorce lawyer. But not for anybody who could have taken out an entire family without leaving evidence. There was a chemistry teacher who lived three blocks away, and we investigated him for a while because of the canisters, but he was alibied out. Same with the dentists who lived nearby. The wife had an online flirtation with some kid out of England. But nothing adulterous. And he wasn't even in the country in the time of the murders. We settled, unhappily, on the idea of a random killing. Hardest pieces of shit to catch when there's no pattern like that. We must have sunk tens of thousands of man hours into this case chasing down leads. Nothing ever came out of it. We did track down the canisters. They were stolen from a laboratory ten miles away. There was no security footage. Couldn't find any leads on the thief. After six months with no repeat attacks, the investigation went cold. The Driscolls had been knocked out and abducted. Like I said, no one ever found the bodies. Who was to say they hadn't just run off? Until... Well... I'd rather only talk about that once. What can you tell us about how the confession wound up with Miss Bamer? She'd been following the case for some years, both personally and as a reporter. Like I said, it captured the imagination of a lot of people. Even seemingly normal folks thought it could have been aliens, ghosts, or demons. Miss Bamer published a retrospective on the murders given the 20-year anniversary. It caused a renewed interest, which happened from time to time. As usual, I declined to comment, citing lack of new evidence. I remember her asking for my quote, though, which is why I accepted the lunch meeting. After publication of the article, Miss Bamer claimed that she had been sent the file she wished to have me authenticate. The most pertinent part of the file was a confession. I assured Miss Bamer that such false documents are not uncommon, especially on older cases like this, and that I'd personally heard two dozen confessions of the Driscoll murders. She was insistent. Once I felt she wasn't trying to pull off a hoax or getting off on the idea of talking about a murder, I agreed to the meeting. She stated the confession had been mailed to her in the same envelope she showed to me when we met for lunch. 
Can you describe its contents? Old newspaper clippings outlining the progress of my investigation. They seemed appropriately yellowed, so I guess they were from the trophy book of the perpetrator. There were also six photos alleging to be the individual members of the Driscoll family, as well as several other photos of the, uh... facility where they had been taken. My hands won't stop shaking, you see? I'm trying as hard as I can, and I just... I can't make it happen. I'll have to ask the paramedic for a sedative when I'm done with the statement. I don't think I'll be able to sleep otherwise. No, no, I'm, I'm fine for now. I don't want anything to interfere with my recollection for your recording. Just... Carrying it around in my head like... Sorry. I'll stay focused. The photos. The photos were of the Driscoll family, of course. At the time, I didn't know that. The photos had aged poorly and they could have been of anyone. It was very hard to distinguish features. However... Given the elaborate nature of the file, I figured it did warrant a further look. As to the confession letter, well, it was brief. It gave an address. That's the first thing I noticed. I couldn't locate the address online, which meant it had to be old. The confession letter said, Stop printing lies. I never killed anyone. It just took a while to get them ready for breakfast. There was no signature. I just remember something. God damn it. We got sent a breakfast menu a month after the disappearance. Someone had drawn a red circle around a picture of pancakes. The letter said, they're not dead. They're getting ready for breakfast. Put it in the junk lead file. Oh, God. Detective Melgate, do you need a moment? Oh, God. How could have I known? We tried to track down the menu. We could never find out where it had come from. It wasn't any place local. The identifying information had been cut out. I don't know what else we could have done. I just... Dear God. Why did you decide to personally investigate the location mentioned in the letter? Sorry. I wanted to make sure it wasn't a hoax. I still wasn't convinced. I've had 20 years of people sending me fake evidence. I guess maybe the case captured my imagination too. I always figured that one day I'd think of something I'd overlooked and solve the whole thing. Felt unbelievable to have someone dump the answer in my lap. I needed to see with my own two eyes. 
Miss Bamer had pinpointed the location with city records, but neither of us was sure if it was still there. It was an abandoned industrial building. The last time it had a valid mailing address was 50 years ago. Might have caved in for all we knew. I think I wanted to be the one that cracked it, whether or not it was dumped in my lap. The case was hung over my head for 20 years. Miss Bamer and I agreed to meet there the following morning. Can you describe the crime scene? My sincerest apologies for the interruption, but it appears as though there are some issues with an, uh, unhappy customer. Tell you what, let me go take care of things real quick, and I'll be right with you. Well, there you are. Been looking all over for you. So sorry about the minor inconvenience. Now, where were we? Can you describe the crime scene? Yeah. It was an industrial building, as I stated. Approximately 120 feet long by maybe 45 feet wide. It was a wooden structure, and at first the conditions seemed to match the neighboring buildings. However, I noticed the facade had been recently patched in a few locations. Further investigation also revealed that the entrance had been chained and locked. My understanding was that it used to be a sheet metal shop. At least. Excuse me. Is it... <coughs> is there a... Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, is there a, a garbage can? I, I think I might vomit. Thank you. We... <coughs> sorry. I'm so sorry. I thought I was empty. No, 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 please, please. I, I want to get this done. And I'm going to want that sedative, okay? All right. Okay. I'm, I'm sorry. Here we go. Uh, I could smell something from inside the building very, very faintly. I figured that would count as probable cause. Not that I needed it as a civilian, but... but you never forget the way a corpse smells. They were... bad enough they had the same smell. I hadn't forgotten how to pick a lock. So I let myself inside. wish they had been corpses. I really do wish he had been a serial killer. I really, I really do. I do. Please say you believe me. I do. Can you describe the interior of the building? I'm trying to focus through this. I really am. I'm sorry. It's just... That I... I'd like to go to sleep after this for a very long time. 
paramedic here. Is a sedative ready? Yeah. Okay. Thank goodness. The warehouse had not been as abandoned as we were previously led to believe. The interior had a hallway with six rooms. The construction was old but visibly newer than the rest of the building. The walls between each room had been soundproof. There were no windows to the outside or doorways between the rooms themselves. The only access was through the hallway. I tried to make Miss Bamer leave at that point. You see, the smell... The smell was stronger inside. You could feel it. The smell, like, like a grit getting stuck in your nose, like, like bits of sand all over your skin. The rooms... Uh, the rooms contained presses. Hydraulic presses, four foot by eight foot custom presses. I couldn't figure out what they were at first because they were hovering over what looked like hospital beds. There were IV bags in each room as well as other medical equipment. That's how we kept them alive for so long, of course. be seeing black spots. Do you need to take a break? No. The idea of having to start this again is way worse than the idea of finishing it. And please describe your next course of action. The building was obviously an active crime scene. I had no doubt at this point. I was in the lair of what I believed to be a serial killer. I tried to tell Miss Bam to leave several times. She refused on the grounds that it would not be right to leave me on my own. Wasn't much time to make an issue out of it. My opinion of hers, she was a bit nosy, but basically all right, and I didn't think she'd be a liability if she stayed out of my way. I had to make a judgment call as to whether or not I should proceed on my own in case the family was somehow impossibly still alive and perhaps in danger, or if I should leave and call for backup. I told my wife where I was going previously, so I knew my absence would be noted and reported if the worst happened. Neither of us could get cell reception, and so I... I'm sorry. I'm rambling. It was then that I heard. It's not even a not even a gasp, but it was it was like a gasp, but not really. I don't want to describe it any more than that. It was a sound. It drew my attention further on. I had to act. That's all that matters. There were some stairs at the very far end of the warehouse descending into the basement. I told Miss Bamer to remain behind. Pulled my service revolver. I had a flashlight on my person as well and turned it on as I descended into the basement. 
basement had been hand dug. Maybe even over the course of the entire 20 year disappearance, I don't know. The floor was dirt and there was a tunnel that retreated back far enough that it had to be supported with struts at regular intervals. My flashlight first illuminated the stack. I wish they had been dead. I wish he had been a serial killer. Please, take a moment. After I, uh, after I recovered, my first thought was, thank God they're all dead. I'm 64 years old, for Christ's sake. I'm not a young man who could forget things anymore. When you're young, you have this sense that you're invincible and that you're never going to die. I don't have that to protect me anymore. Ah, shit, look at me whining. When they had that done to them. It's my fault. I should have found them. Saved them somehow. I'm sorry, Hob, but I have to ask. Can you describe the scene? Yeah. (laughs) I can. I didn't know what I was looking at at first. Hell, I still don't. It was, uh... was a stack maybe two feet thick from the stink and the coloring it was obviously made of flesh I thought maybe he had hacked them up and stacked them up in pieces that would have been bad enough the first thing that alerted me to the truth was the eyeball On the top of the stack was a perfectly round eyeball in the middle of a socket that had been distorted to the size of a saucer. That's when I realized what I was looking at was... 20 goddamn years of torture, basically. He had the entire Driscoll family under those pressers for 20 years, keeping them alive on an IV drip, increasing the pressure on them so very slowly that their bodies had time to adapt until they had been flattened like... Well... (laughs) Like pancakes. He squished them by about a quarter inch every year for 20 years them out when they were too broken and wretched to move without any chance of recovery and stacked them on top of each other. I've got no idea what for. I don't want to know. And I was still thinking, thank God they're all dead. And the one on the top started gasping again. What did they say? Nothing. At first. Couldn't speak without help. I think... It would have been Avery Driscoll. Not that I could tell 
much about the gender or the age, but the hair was blonde where there was hair. The head, the head was a mess of scars. I think the son of a bitch who did this must have removed parts of their skulls. I've got no idea how he got their heads so flat otherwise. Not as flat as the rest of their bodies, but flat. Who the hell knows how their brains handled that? Their lips were punctured by teeth everywhere. The presses had flattened out their noses, I guess. Avery was 14 when he disappeared. Oh. I stop shaking. Goddamn weird the way our bodies work, isn't it? What else? There was a machine. A sort of a pump. I followed a hose with my flashlight and realized everyone in the stack was hooked up to the pump. I don't think they could breathe on their own, you see. Not after a while. There simply wasn't enough volume for their lungs to inflate. There was some sort of opening cut right into each of their chests. There was a switch on the pump. I don't know why I pressed it. I wanted to do something. Maybe some stupid part of me thought that if I switched it on, they would inflate and be okay. I switched it. It increased the volume of air to the topmost hose. I could hear the pump working harder, which is when Avery Driscoll started to scream. He said other things too. He didn't make much sense. Kept yelling, Bane of error! Over and over again. Something about the family too. I didn't understand it. He was in pain and I... I would hope he had gone insane several years previously. Oh my god. My thoughts exactly. I didn't know what to do. He wouldn't stop screaming. I believe he was convinced I was his torturer. A closer look at his eyes revealed that it was mostly a mess of white scar tissue. He was as blind as a bat. You know, I spoke with some burn victims once. They told me they managed to find meaning and purpose again after a while. I don't know how anyone in the Driscoll family could have done that. I stated my name. I told him I was a detective. I told him I was there to help. I repeated it over and over again, knowing, of course, there was nothing that anyone anywhere could do to help. Miss Bamer arrived, drawn by the sound. Before she saw the stack, she told me that I had screamed and she had come to help but I don't remember having done so. Nevertheless, she arrived. Then she saw the stack and screamed, but 
that I was intent on Avery Driscoll. He was able to hear. He, he became lucid for a few moments. It was a strain to understand what he said, but I will never be able to forget it. Please kill me. It hurts. I don't want to be a monster. Please kill me. Tell my family I died a long time ago. I don't know if they're still looking for me. Don't let them know what happened to me. Please kill me. He could still cry, and he did. Although his tear ducts were too deformed for it to be noticeable. I should have forced Miss Bamer to leave. That is the only action in the matter which I regret more than failing to solve the case 20 years ago. Not just for her own sake, but for what she did next. I don't think she could have wounded them any more deeply if she tried. She took away the last comfort any of them in that stack had. You see, they had not been able to speak to one another for 20 years. She said, that's all of them, isn't it? That's the entire Driscoll family. They're all alive in there. The whole family. For 20 years, each member of the Driscoll family had been unaware their fellow inmates were the other members of their family. They'd all been holding out hope their family was okay. All of them dreaming someone out there loved them and was free from suffering. Do you know what the screams of six people tortured over two decades smashed down to a width of four inches sounds like when they're all stacked on top of one another? It sounds like the gates of hell swinging open. I I think that's enough, Detective Melgate. Not yet. It was my mistake. I should have tried harder. Tracked down that lead. Maybe that's what they meant, screaming that. It was my error, so it was my responsibility. I shot them. Mercy is hard, but I owed it to them. I am the one that failed to save them. It only took one bullet to go all the way through. I emptied my revolver, though. Make sure they didn't linger give them all that final peace. It was the only kindness I had to give to them. We left and we called for backup after that. Neither Miss Bamer nor I wished to remain with the bodies. I elected not to follow the crime scene investigators back into the basement. I asked if I could make a statement and leave and after one of them saw what I had seen they agreed. sedative now yes yes of course thank you please show in the paramedics I'll roll up my sleeve my wife has diabetes so I'm well aware of the routine oh uh and uh please make sure you have the same courtesy available for Miss Bamer she seemed to have it worse than me poor woman couldn't even throw up or cry Of course. 
Do you know where she is now? She told the lead at the crime scene she was going home, but we haven't been able to reach her. Did you try the paper? Which paper? The Daily World. Are you sure? There is no one by the last name of Bamer on staff with the Daily World. Thank you for your patronage. Hope you enjoyed your new relic as much as I've enjoyed passing along its sordid history. It does come with our usual warning, however. Absolutely no refunds. No exchanges. And we won't be held liable for anything that may or may not occur while the object is in your possession. Oh, (laughs) you think just because you're only listening to my voice that you have nothing to be concerned about? Let me assure you that your visit to the antiquarium, whether in the flesh or in your mind's eye, is most certainly not in vain. You are... After all, the architect of this place. I must say, you've done a hell of a job. Even the way you have given me a face and carved out the most minute details of my person in that cerebrum of yours is quite impressive indeed. Therefore, the items you procure within these walls, even on a metaphysical level, are very, very real and are now and forever part of your subconscious. All part of our standard bill of sale, really. Till next time, we'll be waiting for you whenever you close your eyes in the space between sleep and dream. During regular business hours, of course, or by appointment, only for you, our best customer. You have a good night now. The Antiquarium of Sinister Happenings Lot 016 The Pancake Family Written by A.A. Peterson Starring Devin Sawa and Kate Siegel Featuring Stephen Knowles as the Antique Dealer Additional sound effects by AV Productions. Additional music by Coag, Mark Vandermeulen, ESN Productions, and Matea Cupelli. Engineering production and sound design by Trevor Shand. Theme music by the Newton Brothers. The Antiquarium of Sinister Happenings is created and curated by Trevor and Lauren Shand. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at AntiquariumPod. Call the Antiquarium at 646-481-7197.